Didomi is a Greek word meaning to give or has given. God gave, didomi, and out of gratitude we give back to our neighbor and our community, didomi. My name is Wissam al-Salibi. I'm currently in Geneva where I serve as Advocacy Officer of the World Evangelical Alliance. With Christian friends working in organizations that advocate for justice and peace, we put together the Didomi podcast, where we share on the issues that we are working on. My co-host for this episode is Joel Veldkamp, who is currently in Zurich and he serves as the Head of International Communications for Christian Solidarity International. Hi, Joel. Hi, Wissam. It's good to be co-hosting with you. It's great to have you. And uh, Joel, we have an episode today where we will have Matthias Burning with us. Hello, Matthias. Hello. It's good to be with you. You're joining us from Bonn currently, from Germany? Exactly. I'm joining you from beautiful Bonn on the Rhine in the western part of Germany. So, Matthias, you are the World Evangelical Alliance Permanent Representative to the UN in Bonn and the Director of the WA Sustainability Center, which is also in Bonn, right? Exactly. Part of your work is about the environment, climate, climate change and creation care. We all know that climate change is underway with environmental consequences that keep on coming and coming. You know, in the past couple of years, the world uh, witnessed record-breaking storms, floods, heat waves, fires, droughts, temperatures. We kept reading in the headlines, unprecedented weather event. Even with a drastic reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, temperatures will probably be 1.5 degrees centigrade above their late 19th century levels. So to limit the damage, the world needs to strive for net zero carbon emissions and take many more initiatives to prevent the worst scenarios related to climate change. But what does all that mean and how can we get there? And more importantly, what are the evangelical churches and institutions doing in support of creation care? That is why we have with us Matthias today, and we're very glad that myself and Joel will have the opportunity to ask questions to Matthias. Thanks for having me. It's a joy and privilege. Matthias, last year you were at the COP26 conference in Glasgow in the UK, together with Secretary General of the World Evangelical Alliance, Bishop Dr. Thomas Schirmacher, and with Chris Elisara, who is the director of WEA's Creation Care Task Force. We had interviewed Chris prior to the COP26 conference here on the Didomi podcast. Did you achieve the objectives of your participation at COP26? And do you believe the conference paved the way to preventing the worst case scenarios? Thanks for that question. And indeed, great that you had Chris uh, speaking here on the Domi podcast prior to COP26. And now we can reflect together on this major landmark conference. Um, so COP26 is the 26th edition of the Conference of Parties to the UN's Framework Convention on Climate Change. That's what's behind this uh, cryptic abbreviation. And it has been a huge conference. It has been an significant conference uh, because we were still in the pandemic um, and still through lots and lots of uh, regulations and rules, it was able to convene thousands of delegates uh, from around the world, although it has not been as inclusive as it should have been, because obviously many delegates from countries were barred from entry into Scotland or the United Kingdom at that time to participate in um, the climate conference. 
overall, it has been a good conference with good progress and good results. You've probably seen the headlines. It was decided to phase down coal, which is an important step forward. You might have heard that in the last mile of discussion on the final day, um, the wording was changed from phasing out coal to phasing down coal. So um, that was kind of a disappointment for delegates who had fought for ambitious wording for two weeks. Still, phasing down coal is wording and language in the final outcome text that has never been there as such. Uh, so it's definitely a step forward. In terms of overall outcomes, what has not been achieved is um, some ambitious decisions on climate finance. So that's really a big problem because we can be as ambitious as we want on climate targets. But uh, if we are not enabling partners around the world, countries around the world who might not be as affluent as uh, maybe European countries or North America, if we're not enabling them to live up to their climate targets, we can have climate targets as ambitious as we want. Uh, it will not lead us every, anywhere. So that's uh, really something that COP26 has not achieved um, to make some significant progress in terms of climate financing. So here we are looking at COP27 uh, later this year in November in Egypt, um, where we hope that we make um, significant progress there. In terms of our own goals, um, yes, COP26 has been successful. On the one hand, it's always a mix of partner engagement, advocacy work and campaigning. If we travel to a conference and participate on behalf of WA in a conference, so we had some really, really great partner engagement, important meetings with our tier fund colleagues, Russia colleagues, the Renew Our World campaign partners from several countries around the world. Some of us met physically for the first time um, in, in our uh, engagement with Renew Our World. We had um, a Renew Our World petition handover to several delegations to the conference, which was very successful. We could directly engage with high-level representatives of delegations. We had some great campaigning. For example, we started and launched the Climate Vigil campaign in the beautiful church of St. George's Tron in the center of Glasgow on the evening of the big climate march. So that was really on all those three levels, campaigning, advocacy, work, and partner engagement a success. Still, I mean, traveling home, you always think more could have been possible, uh, more impact could have been possible, further partner engagement could have been possible. So um, the work doesn't end here. Um, it goes on. And obviously, you will always find points where you say, oh, the time could have been even better and more impactful. So you're always leaving a little bit with a, with a mixed picture, but uh, we are overall happy with how it went. Thank you, Matthias. Uh, you mentioned COP27 later this year in Egypt. How are you building momentum to pave the way to prepare for a more successful COP this year? And more fundamentally, is there cause for optimism in your view? What would it take to reach further agreement on the financing? Well, let me maybe dive a little bit into the way we work. That will respond to your question of how we build momentum. So... For us, it's really key to work through partners and to work with partners. As the WA Sustainability Center, we are a rather small team. So um, my colleague, Dr. Chris Elisara, who's um, based in San Diego in California, was already mentioned. 
and then uh, we have a team of three project um, coordinators or one project um, support officer and this is it this is us as the sustainability center but it doesn't necessarily need to be big because uh, we are working to facilitate movement and dynamics within the global WEA network. And uh, we have a huge network. Uh, we have national evangelical alliances in many countries around the world. We have projects and organizations on the ground, on the grassroots level in many countries around the world. And our job is not to do everything on our own. Our job is rather to build bridges between um, great initiatives and great people within the wider evangelical network globally and to mobilize momentum in the network. How? How do you do that? How do we do that? We, what is very important for us is to always bring in voices from the ground into global negotiations and global conversations. So as the Sustainability Center, we are um, um, ECOSOC um, accredited uh, organization as WEA, but for the sustainability part, we, we manage um, WEA's accreditation to the UN here, and we ensure WEA representation, for example, at the United Nations Environment Assembly or the conferences of parties of um, the climate change agreement or also the Convention on Biological Diversity. We can talk about that later on. So we have this access to global negotiations and we can obviously use it to just share and bring in global high-level voices. But for us, it's really important to also bring in the voices of ordinary evangelicals, believers from everyday lives uh, in their communities around the world who are sharing, this is what I perceive in my community. This is how climate change impacts on my community. This is how my agricultural yield is changing uh, because uh, the environment is changing. This is how it um, affects uh, our living, our livelihoods, um, maybe also justice questions. So this is really our job to connect those high-level discussions and conversations that can be very technical at times and sometimes really a secretive world um, for, the, for the ordinary people, to connect this global UN level and uh, global conversations with the everyday lives of evangelicals around the world. And um, this is really what we are trying to achieve and what we are achieving through our work. And this is building momentum. And one expression, because you were asking of COP27 in Egypt, one expression is, for example, convening people who care for creation in the context of global UN conferences. And um, that will happen also, hopefully, in the run-up to COP27 in Egypt. So at the moment, together with our partners from the Lausanne WA Creation Care Network, we are organizing a regional conference, North Africa, which hopefully happens right before COP27 in Egypt, near the, the conference venue. And uh, by this, uh, we are very practically and physically building bridges between the two worlds. Matthias, I'm fascinated by this description of your work, and I don't think I had quite understood it like that before, that you're actually bringing evangelical activists for climate who might not otherwise have the chance to speak to some of the big players in these conferences to these conferences, to these platforms, giving them a place to speak. 
Is there one individual or one group in particular that stands out in your mind as someone who really grabbed your imagination and your attention as they, they work for climate justice in their own context? Well, I mean, that really depends on any specific week uh, you would ask me <laughs> because we have so many great people and initiatives out there. So it's really by chance that I'm maybe picking James Kisenge from Kenya that I'm currently communicating with a lot. And tomorrow we will run a joint webinar that is actually reaching out to over 1,000 teachers from Kenya, uh, from urban context, but also rural context. And we will train them on how sustainability issues are linked with climate change and are linked with practical educational work in the context of um, education for sustainable development. And James is representing an organization called Africa for SDGs, and they are working in dozens and dozens of African countries, and they are training local trainers to actually convey this message of sustainable lifestyles and um, of understanding what the sustainability challenge actually is. Um, they are training local trainers to convey this message to many people, thousands, hundreds of thousands all over Africa. And they are doing it also from a faith motivation. So this is really what drives them, what drives us, and this is what, uh, what connects us. And uh, for me, that's the biggest motivation factor of all, to be in touch with people like James. If I can speak personally for a second, Matthias, Climate change is a subject that tends to make my eyes glaze over, and that's not because I don't think it's important. It's extremely important, and it's it's so important and so complicated that I think some part of my brain just says, I can't handle this, I can't solve this, I can't contribute to this, I'm just going to check out of this issue. And I think in general, climate change is a subject that's difficult to process for a lot of people. It's just so big, and sometimes it seems so far removed from daily life. Do you have a stump speech or an elevator pitch for people like me? Why is this issue so important? And why is it important for me as an individual, as a Christian, to stay engaged? I think let's break it down to the easiest message and most powerful message, in my humble opinion. We should all deal with climate change because dealing with climate change means loving God and loving our neighbors. We have a beautiful world given to us by Creator God, and our mandate is to care for this creation, to protect this creation. And if we see massive change that is happening, detrimental change to this creation that is linked to our human behavior, and this is proven by science, and we should follow the science, we should give attention to science there, then it is a matter of loving my God to care for creation. It's also a matter of loving my neighbor, because in a globalized world, the global neighbor might be in Mozambique for me as a German. It might be in Peru for you as an American. And if we want to love our neighbor, and we see that his environment is detrimentally affected by climate change, that his agricultural output is negatively affected, that it um, risks um, his livelihood, and that people literally have a destruction of their whole environment because of climate change, then this story of uh, the Samaritan 
where Jesus asks us, go and do likewise and, and care for your neighbor, is really getting a new perspective and it's getting a new momentum for me. So this would be my answer. Don't try to dive in the very complex, um, also scientific issues around climate change. Obviously, there's a lot to discuss and we're talking of um, complex global systems um, that involve a lot of knowledge of how physically and chemically things work. But we do see the change that is happening. We see it also in those countries where we formerly thought we are not affected by climate change. And I'm speaking as a German who lives um, just about 50 kilometers away from the R Valley, where we had a huge um, flooding catastrophe this summer. And people were saying this has never, ever happened before uh, in this country. And scientists have proven that it has to do with erratic rainfalls um, that have never occurred like this in this country before. So let me really say climate change is coming home. It's coming home to my home, to your home. It has a long time coming home to the homes of many of our global neighbors. So it's about time to engage with this issue and love God and love your neighbor. Matthias, uh, the issue of climate change is often portrayed as a challenge for humanity, as a threat to our common survival that human beings can overcome if we unite and act together to save ourselves. You just presented us with a gospel narrative for Christians taking action for creation care and against climate change. Do you think there is some tension between the gospel narrative and the dominant narrative about climate change, quote-unquote the secular narrative, for lack of a better term? If so, how do you resolve that tension? Do we have to do some reframing? Have you experienced any support or pushback to the narrative that you just provided us when you're sharing this narrative in international forums? That's a great question, Visan. Thanks for pointing to narratives of sustainability and narratives of fighting climate change. We have dealt with that last year in more depth. And it's really interesting. If you dive into the topic of narratives, uh, we see, in my humble opinion, I mean, obviously shortened down now to fit this format, but I see two dominant narratives uh, when dealing with climate change. One is the narrative of fear and anxiety. So as humans, we should feel bad about what is happening. We should really fear the damage that is happening to our world. And we should be anxious of how things change because our lives are threatened and the lives of creatures on this earth are threatened. And this should be the driving motivation to uh, finally change something and to finally do something. And uh, we see a very, very strong language oftentimes when this uh, narrative is used. And uh, we see it with the Fridays for Future movement. Um, just uh, think of Greta Thunberg speaking out strongly um, against uh, the attitudes of global leaders. And to be honest, I'm not so sure if that's the narrative um, that uh, brings us any further. Because mirroring that from a gospel perspective, we can truly say we have not received a spirit of fear. We have not received the spirit of anxiety and of angst, but we have received a spirit of love 
and of self-discipline. And this is what should drive us. And again, I ca I'm coming back to the notion of loving God and loving your neighbor. So we can have a good and solid biblical foundation there. The other dominant narrative is pretty much the opposite, uh, which is we can save the world if we just joined forces all together as humanity. And if there was just enough political willingness, we could uh, change the whole game and save this world. And this is, again, very complicated because we are not the saviors of this world. There is one savior and his name is Jesus Christ. And we are following him and we are trusting him in all of history, including the future. So this is, in my humble opinion, is deeply atheistic to apply this kind of narrative. We should not assume the positions of being the ones who can really save the day and save this world and stop the change we are seeing in the climate. Although we have been given a lot of power over these issues and we can actually do a lot as humans, but the attitude uh, is what makes the difference here. So again, going back to a biblical foundation and to a solid foundation in scripture, we should still be saying, you are Lord, I'm following you, I'm trusting you. And there the power of prayer comes in to really say, uh, we pray for creation. We pray for the challenges we are currently facing in the context of climate change. We pray for our global neighbor. So we know who the savior is. Prayer is talking to God, but at the same time, prayer is a statement that I'm not the ultimate hero in this game. Thank you very much, Matthias. That's, that's very powerful. One last question today, the $64,000 question. What can we do individually as Christians to stay engaged on this topic? And what can the church that we go to on Sunday do to, to fight for climate justice and to love our neighbors and our creator? Let me start by the church. I think we are at a point where the church needs to embrace creation care as a church issue and as a gospel issue. And it sounds like this is a given. It sounds like something that should be clear. But if we really look into the theology that we are applying in churches, the way we preach, the way we teach future pastors in Bible schools, we have to come to the conclusion that creation care theology is not part of our standard theology and not part of how we run churches and how we understand the full content of the gospel. And this is something we need to tackle. I think it is key that we widen our perspective on what the gospel actually entails, what, what's in it, and um, also who God is. Right? Uh, in so many cases, we have those descriptions of God as a friend, as, as a warrior on our side, you, you name it, as a king, yeah? and emphasizing a little bit more that God is also creator God is something that would carry us far. And, you know, on a very practical level, I can uh, say the church can do a lot if it is just willing to widen its perspective a little bit. Uh, story I'm coming back to time and again is a story of Ligon Interdenominational Church in uh, Accra in Ghana. And I've visited uh, this church and spoken to the pastor. And uh, after church, he took me to a plastic waste collection center outside um, the front door, actually just next to the front door. 
And he said, yeah, this is where people who are coming to church are leaving their plastic waste from uh, all over the week. And they're collecting it and they're taking it here and we collect it and then we can even sell it as a bulk plastic waste back into the industrial process. And it's contributing a little part, but a significant part to the solution of the plastic waste crisis in Ghana. And then when I asked him, but isn't that a stretch for a church to deal with something so earthly than plastic waste? And he said, no, Matthias, you know, anyway, uh, going to church means uh, bringing your waste to the Lord. So if you're bringing your inner waste, I mean, or the, the baggage you have on your soul, to the Lord um, once a week when you go to church, why don't you bring your outer waste too? Why don't you bring your plastic waste? And I found the connection that he did between what we often say spiritual things and earthly things so powerful because I thought, yes, I mean, this church is having a community impact. This church is salt and light to its community. So I think there's uh, still a long way that many churches uh, can go in understanding and embracing their responsibility, being salt and light to their communities. And then what can you do as an individual? I think um, we often say you can start by prayer, you can go on by campaigning, and you can, if, uh, if you travel through these stages, uh, you can even contribute to advocacy. So prayer, campaigning, and advocacy are the three things we are often uh, proposing and suggesting to individuals who say, hey, what can I practically do? And I think it's so important that whatever we do starts with prayer and starts with uh, really your personal relationship um, to the Lord. And we have prayer resources on our webpage, www.wea-sc.org. We have prayer resources there. We have wonderful prayer resources by the Renew Our World campaign. So just start engaging uh, with this topic in your prayer time, and it will most probably carry you to the next stage, which is campaigning, uh, because you ask yourself, okay, how can I practically live out my faith here? And there are wonderful campaign materials by Tier Fund, by Arosha, by um, the Renewal World campaign that WA is part of, where we engage, for example, global plastic polluters to really reduce their plastic waste. And uh, it's remarkable what effect those campaigns have. Yeah? Sometimes you think, what can I do as an individual? Um, but uh, for example, through the waste campaign or the rubbish campaign, it was called by the Renewal World campaign. Just the other week, we had one major global plastic polluter who actually made a commitment to significantly scale down its plastic pollution. And this is a Christian campaign, and it uh, was heard in the halls of power, and it was having an effect. So yes, we can do something. Um, the third thing is advocacy, where we are really speaking to halls of power uh, on our national levels, but also on the UN level. And this is something where it sometimes gets a little bit more complicated, but at the same time, um, so much more impactful. For example, now in just three weeks time, or actually just two weeks time, the United Nations Environment Assembly will convene in Nairobi in Kenya. And one big item on the agenda is to launch negotiations on a new global plastic pollution treaty. And we need to have a push in advocacy by different groups around the world to say, yes, we want this treaty. 
and to reach out to national governments, especially the environment ministers, and say, please support this new decision to begin the negotiations on this treaty. This is really what we need. Uh, currently, we have a, a huge gap in global legislation and, and global governance of plastic waste. So here, we are on a very high, sometimes a little bit abstract level, but this kind of advocacy is so important. And I am happy to see that so many more faith actors are engaging with the UN and are engaging on these global advocacy levels. And this also speaks the message of, um, yes, we are taking our faith very seriously in its impact to our daily lives on this world. And I think this is really what's needed. Thank you, Matthias, for this insightful conversation. And amen. Let's bring our physical waste and put it before the Lord, just like we bring our spiritual waste and put it before the Lord. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And we pray that this episode encourages the listeners to see how that we can engage more individually, every one of us, and as a church in support of creation care. Thank you, Joel, for co-hosting this episode with me. And thank you once again, dear listeners, for joining us on this episode. We hope that these conversations are edifying for every Christian who wants to engage in the public sphere. We welcome your feedback via email at contact at Please subscribe via your podcasting app on your phone. Rate us, put five stars, put feedback. This will help people know more about the Domi podcast. You can follow us also on Twitter and on Instagram. Until next time, where we publish every month an episode, have a blessed week, have a blessed month.